Book Two, Chapter Four of A Voyage Towards the South Pole and Round the World, Volume One by James Cook. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by David Cole. Chapter Four Passage from Amsterdam to Queen Charlotte's Sound with an account of an interview with the inhabitants and the final separation of the two ships. 1773 October About the time we were in a condition to make sail, a canoe, conducted by four men, came alongside, with one of those drums already mentioned, on which one man kept continually beating, thinking, no doubt, the music would charm us. I gave them a piece of cloth and a nail for the drum, and took an opportunity to send to my friend Otago some wheat, peas, and beans, which I had forgot to give him when he had the other seeds. As soon as this canoe was gone, we made sail to the southward, having a gentle gale at south-east by east, it being my intention to proceed directly to Queen Charlotte's Sound in New Zealand, there to take in wood and water, and then to go on farther discoveries to the south and east. In the afternoon on the 8th, we made the island of Pilstart, bearing southwest by west a half-west, distant seven or eight leagues. This island, which was also discovered by Tasman, is situated in the latitude of 22 degrees 26 minutes south, longitude 175 degrees 59 minutes west, and lies in the direction of south 52 degrees west, distant 32 leagues from the south end of Middleburg. It is more conspicuous in height than circuit, having in it two considerable hills, seemingly disjoined from each other by a low valley. After a few hours calm the wind came to south-west, with which we stretched to the south-east, but on the tenth it veered round by the south to the south-east and east-south-east, and then we resumed our course to the south-south-west. At five o'clock in the morning of the twenty-first we made the land of New Zealand, extending from north-west by north to west-south-west. At noon, Table Cape bore west, distant eight or ten leagues. I was very desirous of having some intercourse with the natives of this country, as far to the north as possible, that is, about poverty or Tolago bays, where I apprehended they were more civilized than at Queen Charlotte's Sound in order to give them some hogs, fowls, seeds, roots, etc., which I had provided for the purpose. The wind veering to the northwest and north enabled us to fetch in with the land a little to the north of Portland, and we stood as near the shore as we could with safety. We observed several people upon it, but none attempted to come off to us. Seeing this, we bore away under Portland, where we lay to some time, as well to give time for the natives to come off, as to wait for the adventure. There were several people on Portland, but none seemed inclined to come to us. Indeed, the wind at this time blew rather too fresh for them to make the attempt. Therefore, as soon as the adventure was up with us, we made sail for Cape Kidnappers, which we passed at five o'clock in the morning, and continued our course along shore till nine, when, being about three leagues short off Blackhead, we saw some canoes put off from the shore. 
Upon this I brought two, in order to give them time to come on board, but ordered the adventure, by signal, to stand on, as I was willing to lose as little time as possible. Those in the first canoe which came alongside were fishers, and exchanged some fish for pieces of cloth and nails. In the next were two men, whom by their dress and behaviour I took to be chiefs. These two were easily prevailed on to come on board, when they were presented with nails and other articles. They were so fond of nails as to seize on all they could find, and with such eagerness as plainly showed, they were the most valuable things we could give them. To the principal of these two men I gave the pigs, fowls, seeds, and roots. I believe at first he did not think I meant to give them to him, for he took but little notice of them, till he was satisfied they were for himself. Nor was he then in such a rapture as when I gave him a spike-nail, half the length of his arm. However, at his going away I took notice that he very well remembered how many pigs and fowls had been given him, as he took care to have them all collected together, and kept a watchful eye over them, lest any should be taken away. He made me a promise not to kill any, and if he keeps his word and proper care is taken of them, there were enough to stock the whole island in due time, being two boars, two sows, four hens, and two cocks. The seeds were such as are most useful, viz. wheat, French and kidney beans, peas, cabbage, turnips, onions, carrots, parsnips, and yams, etc. With these articles they were dismissed. It was evident that these people had not forgot the endeavour, being on their coast, for the first words they spoke to us were, Mata-ao, no te pow pow we are afraid of the guns. As they could be no strangers to the affair which happened off Cape Kidnappers in my former voyage, experience had taught them to have some regard to these instruments of death. As soon as they were gone we stretched off to the southward, the wind having now veered to the west-south-west. In the afternoon it increased to a fresh gale and blew in squalls, in one of which we lost our foretop gallant mast, having carried the sail a little too long. The fear of losing the land induced me to carry as much sail as possible. At seven in the morning we tacked and stretched inshore. Cape Turnagain at this time bore about north-west a half-north, distant six or seven leagues. The adventure being a good way to leeward we supposed did not observe the signal, but stood on, consequently was separated from us. During the night, which was spent in plying, the wind increased in such a manner as to bring us under our courses. It also veered to south-west and south-south-west, and was attended with rain. At nine o'clock in the morning on the twenty-third, the sky began to clear up and the gale to abate, so that we could carry close-leafed topsails. At eleven o'clock we were close in with Cape Turnagain, when we tacked and stood off. At noon, the said cape bore west a little northerly, distance six or seven miles. Latitude observed forty-one degrees thirty minutes south. Soon after, the wind falling almost to a calm, and flattering ourselves that it would be succeeded by one more favourable, we got up another top-gallant mast, rigged top-gallant yards, and loosed all the reefs out of the topsails. The event was not equal to our wishes. 
the wind indeed came something more favourable that is at west by north with which we stretched along shore to the southward but it soon increased in such a manner as to undo what we had but just done and at last stripped us to our courses and two close-reefed topsails under which sails we continued all night about daylight the next morning the gale abating we were again tempted to loose out the reefs and rig topgallant yards which proved all lost labour for by nine o'clock we were reduced to the same sail as before soon after the adventure joined us and at noon cape palliser bore west distant eight or nine leagues this cape is at the northern point of iahainemowe we continued to stretch to the southward till midnight when the wind abated and shifted to south-east three hours after it fell calm during which we loosed the reefs out with the vain hopes that the next wind which came would be favourable we were mistaken the wind only took this short repose in order to gain strength and fall the heavier upon us for at five o'clock in the morning being the twenty-fifth a gale sprung up at north-west with which we stretched to south-west cape palliser at this time bore north-north-west distant eight or nine leagues the wind increased to such a manner as obliged us to take in one reef after another and at last it came on with such fury as made it necessary to take in all our sails with the utmost expedition and to lie to under bare poles the sea rose in proportion with the wind so that we had a terrible gale and a mountainous sea to encounter thus after beating up against a hard gale for two days and arriving just in sight of our port we had the mortification to be driven off from the land by a furious storm two favourable circumstances attended it which gave us some consolation it was fair overhead and we were not apprehensive of a lee shore the storm continued all the day without the least intermission in the evening we bore down to look for the adventure she being out of sight to leeward and after running the distance we supposed her to be off brought to again without seeing her it being so very hazy and thick in the horizon that we could not see a mile round us occasioned by the spray of the sea being lifted up to a great height by the force of the wind at midnight the gale abated soon after fell little wind and at last shifted to south-west when we wore set the courses and topsails close reefed and stood in for the land soon after the wind freshened and fixed at south but as the adventure was some distance astern we lay by for her till eight o'clock when we both made all sail and steered north by west or half west for the strait at noon observed in forty two degrees twenty seven minutes south cape palliser by judgment bore north distant seventeen leagues this favourable wind was not of sufficient duration in the afternoon it fell by little and little and at length to a calm this at ten o'clock was succeeded by a fresh breeze from the north with which we stretched to the westward at three o'clock next morning we were pretty well in with cape campbell on the west side of the strait when we tacked and stretched over for cape palliser under courses and close-reefed topsails having the wind at north-west a very strong gale and fair weather 
At noon we tacked and stretched to southwest, with the last-mentioned cape bearing west, distant four or five leagues. In the afternoon the gale increased in such a manner as brought us under our courses. We continued to stretch to the southwest till midnight, when we wore and set close-reefed topsails. On the twenty-eighth at eight o'clock in the morning we wore and stood again to the southwest till noon, when we were obliged to lie to under the foresail. At this time the high land over Cape Campbell bore west, distant ten or twelve leagues. The adventure four or five miles to leeward. In the afternoon the fury of the gale began to abate. When we set the mainsail, close reef main topsail, and stood to the windward with a wind at west-north-west and west-by-north, a strong gale attended with heavy squalls. In the morning of the twenty-ninth the wind abated and shifted to south-west a gentle gale. Of this we took immediate advantage, set all our sails, and stood for Cape Palliser, which at noon bore west-by-north a half-north, distant about six leagues. The wind continued between the south-west and south till five in the evening, when it fell calm. At this time we were about three leagues from the Cape. At seven o'clock the calm was succeeded by a gentle breeze from north-north-east, as fair as we could wish, so that we began to reckon what time we should reach the sound the next day. But at nine the wind shifted to its old quarter north-west and blew a fresh gale, with which we stretched to the south-west under single reef topsails and courses, with the adventure in company. She was seen until midnight, at which time she was two or three miles astern, and presently after she disappeared, nor was she to be seen at daylight. We supposed she had tacked and stood to the north-east, by which manoeuvre we lost sight of her. We continued to stretch to the westward with a wind at north-north-west, which increased in such a manner as to bring us under our two courses after splitting a new main topsail. At noon Cape Campbell bore west by north distant seven or eight leagues. At three in the afternoon the gale began to abate and to veer more to the north, so that we fetched in with the land under the snowy mountains about four or five leagues to windward of the lookers-on where there was the appearance of a large bay. I now regretted the loss of the adventure, for had she been with me, I should have given up all thoughts of going to Queen Charlotte's Sound to wood and water, and to have sought for a place to get these articles farther south, as the wind was now favourable for ranging along the coast. But our separation made it necessary for me to repair to the Sound, that being the place of rendezvous. As we approached the land, we saw smoke in several places along the shore, a sure sign that the coast was inhabited. Our soundings were from forty-seven to twenty-five fathoms, that is, at the distance of three miles from the shore, forty-seven fathoms, and twenty-five fathoms at a distance of one mile, where we tacked and stood to the eastward, under the two courses and close-reefed topsails but the latter we could not carry long before we were obliged to hand them. We continued to stand at the eastward all night, in hopes of meeting with the adventure in the morning. Seeing nothing of her then, we wore and brought two under the foresail and mizzen staysail, the wind having increased to a perfect storm, but we had not been long in this situation before it abated, 
so as to permit us to carry the two courses, under which we stood to the west, and at noon the snowy mountains bore west-north-west, distant twelve or fourteen leagues. At six o'clock in the evening the wind quite ceased, but this proved only a momentary repose, for presently after it began to blow with redoubled fury, and obliged us to lie to under the mizzen staysail, in which situation we continued till midnight, when the storm lessened, and two hours after it fell calm. 1773 November On the 1st of November, at four o'clock in the morning, the calm was succeeded by a breeze from the south. This soon after increased to a fresh gale, attended with hazy rainy weather, which gave us hopes that the northwest winds were done, for it must be observed that they were attended with clear and fair weather. We were not wanting in taking immediate advantage of this favourable wind by setting all our sails and steering for Cape Campbell, which at noon bore north, distant three or four leagues. At two o'clock we passed the Cape, and entered the strait, with a brisk gale astern, and so likely to continue, that we thought of nothing less than reaching our fort the next morning. Once more we were to be deceived. At six o'clock, being off Cloudy Bay, our favourable wind was succeeded by one from the north, which soon after veered to north-west and increased to a fresh gale. We spent the night plying. Our tacks proved disadvantageous, and we lost more on the ebb than we gained on the flood. Next morning we stretched over for the shore of Ihainamoe. At sunrise, the horizon being extraordinarily clear to leeward, we looked well out for the adventure, but as we saw nothing of her, judged that she had got into the sound. As we approached the above-mentioned shore, we discovered on the east side of Cape Tarawite a new inlet I had never observed before. Being tired with beating against the northwest winds, I resolved to put into this place if I found it practicable, or to anchor in the bay which lies before it. The flood being favourable, after making a stretch off, we fetched under the cape, and stretched into the bay along the western shore, having from thirty-five to twelve fathoms, the bottom everywhere good anchorage. At one o'clock we reached the entrance of the inlet, just as the tide of ebb was making out. The wind being likewise against us, we anchored in twelve fathoms water, the bottom of fine sand. The easternmost of the black rocks, which lie on the larboard side of the entrance of the inlet, bore north by east one mile distance. Cape Tirawite, or the west point of the bay, west, distant about two leagues, and the east point of the bay, north by east, four or five miles. Soon after we had anchored, several of the natives came off in their canoes, two from one shore and one from the other. It required but little address to get three or four of them on board. These people were extravagantly fond of nails above every other thing. To one man I gave two cocks and two hens, which he received with so much indifference as gave me little hopes he would take proper care of them. We had not been at anchor here above two hours before the wind veered to north-east, with which we weighed, but the anchor was hardly at the bows before it shifted to the south. With this we could but just lead out of the bay, and then bore away from the sound under all the sail we could set, 
having the advantage, or rather disadvantage, of an increasing gale, which already blew too hard. We hauled up into the sound just at dark, after making two boards, in which most of our sails were split, and anchored in eighteen fathoms water, between the white rocks and the north-west shore. The next morning the gale abated, and was succeeded by a few hours calm. After that a breeze sprang up at north-west, with which we weighed, and ran up into Ship Cove, where we did not find the adventure, as was expected. End of Book 2, Chapter 4 Recording by David Cole, Medway, Massachusetts